This is the Anatomy of a Scream Pod Squad Network. Hello, and welcome to Bodies of Horror, the podcast where we look at all of our favorite horror films from the classic, the camp, to the cringe, through the lens of disability. I'm your host, Nicole, and I am thrilled to have you here. So, what is on the examination table for this episode? Well, I'm going to be talking about 2008's Teeth, starring Jess Wexler. Now, this is a film that had kind of been on my radar to talk about here on the pod for a bit. It had kind of popped up, I think, on some streaming service maybe a year ago or so, and I had put it on in the background because I hadn't seen it in a really long time. And I remember it just kind of resonating with me in a different way as I was rewatching it. And so I made a few notes and, you know, it's like, I'll come back to this. And then recently, I think I saw a tweet or maybe there was something that had popped up about it that just kind of refreshed the movie in my mind. So I went back, I found my notes and I pulled the movie back up again to rewatch. And I thought, yeah, let's do it. Let's talk about teeth. Now, just as a bit of a content warning, the plot of this film does center around sexual assault and rape. I'm only going to be hitting on these elements lightly, but you know, I just want you to be aware in case this is something that maybe uh, you want to sit out. So, with that said, let's get into teeth. All right, what can I do for you, miss? Is this your first time? Okay. So I imagine you have no idea what to expect. Not really. Don't worry, I'm not gonna bite you. Just lie down. Put your feet right in here. Okay. Are you sexually active? No, I just wanna be checked out. There might be something weird going on inside. What? What's... What did you put in here? There is something inside of me that's lethal. Dentata. What? It's Latin for teeth. It's what's inside me. Are you afraid? This is too weird. Just wait. All right, so let's get into our plot synopsis 
from Wikipedia. Dawn of Keith is a teenage spokesperson for a Christian abstinence group called The Promise. She attends groups with her friends Alicia and Phil. She lives at home with her mom, her stepfather, and her stepbrother. At home, on several occasions, she hears her stepbrother Brad and his girlfriend Melanie arguing about Brad's refusal to engage in vaginal intercourse with her, insisting on only having anal sex. One afternoon, after giving a speech to her group about the purity ring worn by the members of the group, Dawn is introduced to Toby, whom she finds attractive. The four begin going out as a group. Dawn has fantasies about marrying Toby, although after acknowledging the attraction, they agree that they cannot spend time together. However, they later give in and meet at a local swimming hole. After swimming together, they go into a cave to get warm and begin kissing. Dawn becomes uncomfortable and tries to get Toby to go back outside, but Toby becomes more physical and aggressive. Dawn panics and tries to push him off. Toby shakes Dawn, smacking her head on the ground and dazing her. Toby takes the opportunity to begin raping her. Dawn fights back and inadvertently bites off his penis with her vagina. A horrified Dawn flees the scene. After a promise meeting, she meets her classmate Ryan at a dance, and they talk, and he later drops her off at home. Dawn goes back to the swimming hole, and she screams in horror when she sees a freshwater crab crawling on Toby's penis, or the remains. She drops her purity ring off a cliff. She then researches vagina dentata and realizes that she may have it. She visits a gynecologist, Dr. Godfrey, in an attempt to find out what is happening to her. When he assaults her in the guise of an examination, reaching up inside of her without a glove, she panics and her vagina bites off four fingers on his right hand. While biking home, several police vehicles pass her and she sees someone driving a car that looks like Toby's car. She decides to go back to visit the pool to investigate. When she arrives, she sees the police bringing up Toby's body. He presumably died of shock in the water. Meanwhile, back at home, her ill, her Ill mother, Kim, collapses. Dawn comes home and finds her while Brad and Melanie are seen in his room having sex while Dawn's mother lies on the floor. Dawn's mother is taken to the hospital. Dawn goes to Ryan seeking help, hysterical about her encounter with the doctor, Toby, and the state of her mom. Ryan gives her a sedative and masturbates her with a vibrator. Though initially afraid she will hurt him, she finds that when she is relaxed and is consenting to the sexual activity taking place, her teeth do not engage. The following morning, they have sex again, but mid-coitus, Ryan's friend calls. Ryan smugly boasts that he and his friend had a bet on whether he could score with Dawn. In her anger, her vagina bites off his penis, and she leaves him to call his mother for help. Dawn's stepdad, Bill, attempts to throw Brad out, but Brad sets his dog on Bill, during which Brad confesses his love for Dawn. Dawn meets her stepfather and Melanie, Brad's girlfriend, at the hospital after her mother has died. Seeing her stepfather hurt and hearing from Melanie how Brad told her to ignore her mother's cries for help earlier, she becomes emboldened by her power and goes back home to seek revenge. Dawn puts on makeup and goes to seduce her stepbrother. 
In the midst of the act, Brad recalls that while still kids, Dawn bit his finger, but it was not her mouth that bit him. And this harkens back to this very short opening scene that we get with a young Dawn and Brad in kind of a, a kiddie pool. As he realizes this, Dawn's vagina bites off his penis. She drops it on the ground, and although Brad calls his dog to bite her, the animal instead eats his penis, spitting out the genital pierced glands. Dawn leaves him, and he presumably bleeds to death. Dawn cycles away from home, but her bike tire sustains a puncture, so she begins hitchhiking. She gets a lift from an old man, but he falls asleep and rides for several hours, waking up after nightfall at a gas station. When she tries to get out, he repeatedly locks the doors. He licks his lips as if to ask for a sexual favor to release her. Don hesitates, then looks towards the camera and turns to the old man with a seductive smile. So I want to talk about things in two different categories essentially and the first is just to talk a little bit about some general things that stood out to me in terms of having a character with a condition and Don our our main character has a condition vagina dentata now this is not a real condition this is something that has been part of folklore uh, in different places around the world, in different cultures. Now, while these stories have various kind of tellings and variations, it usually centers around a kind of masculine or male character conquering a female character with vagina dentata by, uh, you know, having the teeth removed. So we see little bits of this in the research that Dawn does and also when she's talking to Ryan about her condition. Now the closest condition to vagina dentata that actually does exist is what is called a, der a dermoid cyst. And basically this is a cyst that can develop uh, in the vagina that is made up of tissue. So tissues that can contain teeth, uh, hair follicles, skin, sweat glands, um, cartilage, nail tissue, all of that. So this is incredibly, incredibly rare. And if it is something that develops in the vagina, it's going to appear as a lump under the skin. You're not actually going to see, um, you know, uh, any of kind of those tissues. So that's kind of the closest thing that we are able to identify as existing in terms of vagina dentata. Now, one thing that I found really interesting about the... Uh, kind of framing this around a condition that doesn't exist or exists only in folklore and mythology is that you could, I don't know, I, I found myself kind of connecting this to 
the way that a lot of conditions are completely misunderstood. And even though we have a general knowledge that, you know, our understanding of a disease or condition is completely wrong, we still have these kind of preconceived notions about it that pop up when we're having conversations. You know, a lot of intellectual and developmental disabilities, autism, for example, is also one, you know, connecting it to uh, vaccinations as a, a kid. And we know that this has been debunked and it was debunked by the doctor who released the initial kind of reports that connected uh, autism with vaccinations. He went on record to say that all of this had been made up, but there are still people who factually believe that this is a thing. And so I, I don't know, I, I found myself kind of thinking about that um, throughout the film. And I think also I just kind of related to, to Dawn, you know, uh, wanting to know more about her condition and not really knowing where to go and not really having a sense of like who she could trust for that information. Uh, so now Dawn also does the thing that you're supposed to do when there is something going on with your body that you don't understand or that seems out of the norm, she goes to a medical professional. She goes to a gynecologist. And this is obviously a horrific experience for her. She's assaulted during the exam. But even prior to the exam, she is not heard by the doctor. And the doctor doesn't really seem to be asking, I think, the right kind of questions for her, uh, you know, he establishes that this is her first uh, appointment or her first visit to a gynecologist. And as she's saying, you know, I feel like there's something going on and I just want to make sure that everything is okay. He's not really asking any questions to establish, well, okay, well, if you're not sexually active, which he does ask, um, you know, what what is feeling out of sorts to you? You know, are you experiencing any kind of pain or discomfort? Um, you know, like help me kind of understand what, you know, what what feels out of out of sync. And I I think that that's an experience that a lot of folks have, and this is both I think disability and and not is that you hear these stories of people going and seeking medical attention, but don't feel like they're making any kind of headway with medical professionals, with their doctors and other kind of healthcare providers. They feel like they kind of hit a wall and being able to explain what's happening to them because the doctors aren't necessarily listening to them. And so I think being a person with a disability and obviously spending more time within kind of, you know, that kind of setting uh, than, than someone who doesn't have a disability, I, I can definitely, you know, feel my blood even begin to boil before the actual assault 
occurs, which is horrific. And I, you know, I know I've talked a little bit about how there's also this kind of underpin underpinning of fear of doctors that we put trust into them. We come to them in a state of vulnerability and we're put in vulnerable states when we are seeking medical care. And I found all of that pretty contained in the scene with her at the gynecologist. Now, this segues nicely into kind of the second piece I'm going to talk about. And this is really more centered around sexuality or sex and disability. I've talked, I think, in previous episodes about how individuals with disabilities are infantilized and kind of stripped of sexuality. And we're not seen as sexual beings. We're being able to be sexual beings. Like, you're going to be very hard-pressed to find films where individuals with disabilities are portrayed as sexual beings and kind of celebrated in that light. I think especially in horror, I know, I, I think I may have touched on this in talking about kind of rural horror, is that you have characters in in those films that are kind of coded and presented as having disabilities that are often violent and uh, express sexuality in very violent ways. And I don't know, there's just something that's kind of uh, upsetting about that. And so in watching this film, I found myself kind of looking at it specifically from how Dawn's increasing understanding of her condition um, leads to her being able to, uh, you know, actually have a, a semblance of a normal sex life or be able to kind of control some aspects of her sex life. Because at first, she feels completely out of control. She doesn't know what's happening to her. She doesn't know how to stop, you know, her teeth from engaging. Um, and it's when she's able to discover that, oh, well, if I'm in a relaxed state, and if this is something that is consensual, I am able to have sex. And I don't know, I, I found this, you know, thinking back to what I talked about in the Monkey Shines episode and how individuals with uh, physical disabilities, you know, sex can often mean figuring out ways to make sex work. You know, maybe uh, from mobility issues or whatever the case may be, certain positions aren't going to work or you have to kind of become creative to make it a comfortable and enjoyable experience for you and your partner. So I, I kind of love that there's that element there of her discovering ways that she can actually have enjoyable sex and 
with that kind of discovery, she also realizes that she has control over the vagina dentata and when it can engage. So she discovers that kind of power within her condition as well. And this is information that she's having to gain on her own. Um, you know, she's not learning this inside a stereotypical kind of sex ed class because a sex ed class is not going to cover this. So, uh, I, I don't know. I, I found some, um, some interesting things there. And this brings me to where I kind of want to wrap up discussion on sexuality and disability related to this film and I guess kind of the general discussion. So going back to what I mentioned about depiction of sex and disability in film and, you know, either you just have no portrayal of a disabled character being a sexual being or you go to another kind of extreme where a character with a disability displays their sexuality in manners of violence, etc. So, I don't know, the end of the film had me thinking, does teeth do this in some way? And it was, it's a really hard thing to, to think about because I don't think this is what the film is is really commenting on. I don't think it's it's wanting to make a statement about disability, but you know, that's kind of the the interesting and joyous thing about watching films is that we can pick things out that we that resonate with us in, in different ways. But the end of the film had me thinking, like, well, does teeth kind of fall into a category of where disability and sexuality and sex are negatively connected in a way. Because you can say that because of her condition, there's always going to be a link between violence and sex for Dawn. And she's at a place now where she has an ability to have some control over it, but there's always going to be that link. And I don't know, it was just something that really, I guess, was in my mind of now, because this film, I think, is not necessarily wanting to comment or intending to comment on kind of the disability component here. It is something that's difficult to kind of you know, to really process and, and think through, but I don't know. It was just something that really, uh, you know, was on my mind at the end of the film. And, you know, I, I would pose that question to, to anyone listening, like, what, what is your take? Do you think that this film does have that negative kind of connection between disability and sex or because the film isn't looking at the disability component does that not necessarily apply I don't know I would love 
for for anyone to kind of share their opinions because I just think it's something interesting. And I think this is something that we always, you know, I, I think is at the root of a lot of these conversations that we have when we're applying kind of these reads to films that maybe that's not its intended uh, lens or intended purpose to make some kind of comment on something. Is that, you know, where where does that break lie? But I don't know. It was just something that I found really interesting and, and just kind of stewing on. So, um, yeah, if you're listening and you have some thoughts, um, please, uh, you know, feel free to share. Because I'm, I'm really interested to hear what people uh, think about that. And on that note, you know, I think it's it's time to kind of close things up. And as always, thank you for listening. And if you do want to get in touch and you do want to share your thoughts um, on, on what I just kind of threw out there, you can do so by shooting me an email at bodiesofhorror at gmail.com or I am on Twitter at bodieshorror and all that stuff is going to be in the show notes. The biggest thank you, as always, to Anatomy of Ace Cream for being the home and the heart of Bodies of Horror. If you haven't subscribed, please do. Uh, I know I say it every episode, but it always bears repeating. So, yeah, thank you uh, for being here, and until next time. Scream Pod Squad.